Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris and this week I'm looking for the best book named Stiff to help me. Our two malleable and qualified high school mm, English good. teachers, Ian and Joe. Yeah, see, this is such a dangerous title for a book How because so? like I went to the bookshop. I went to the special curtain behind the back. I was looking through uh -oh. all the magazines uh -oh. that they have. I was looking for a book called Stiff and I couldn't find one. So I didn't bring this one this week, but I did bring some facts about cadavers, which I think should support the book that Ian brought. Uh, did I say my name's Joe Holshue and I'm a high school English teacher? You said a lot, and, Joe. Uh, I love how Joe <laughs> thinks he has to come up with a reason to like have a book. <laughs> like, it's okay, Joe. You don't have a book. It's a cop out of Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, well, it's weird. That, it's weird because I go first. Like when wait, when I go first and I have a book, it makes sense. But when I go first and I don't have one, I'm like, oh, well, I feel like Ian should go first. Over 800 billion <laughs> years ago, we invented we invented writing. <laughs> writing eventually coalesced into books, and I brought one this week. My name is Dr. Ian DeYoung. I'm a high school English teacher, and this week I brought Lit Head Recommendations Stiff by Mary Roach. <laughs> May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, <laughs>, <laughs> recommendation and let me tell you guys a little story about it um oh, story time litheads um litheads we we sacrifice a lot for you here i mean i at least i do I, i'm not sure about these other guys but we've given up basically reading for pleasure and we mostly just read books for this podcast it's true <laughs> is that fair? we've robbed you of the one thing that you truly love which is books <laughs> and now you you work in book it's, minds it's like you become a high school english teacher because you love literature and and reading and teaching and like it's not really what that is and then you're like well at least i still have books at least i can still read for fun in my spare time do you know the and expression the show has robbed us of that the expression, uh, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. It's super not true. It'll, you nope. will actually destroy the things that you love. <laughs> by, <laughs> you'll work, by creating you'll work on them until, uh, I, I wouldn't say I've gotten that point where I've, I've read until I hated it, but I will okay. say that one of the things about this show is like when you see a book in the wild that you want to read, you have two choices. <laughs> one, yep. try and finagle it into the podcast somehow. Obviously. Or just otherwise, it's just, a wasted just book. Wave at it as it passes by. Um, there is no option to read it and then not bring it to the podcast because our time is precious. So, um, the, as far as finagling goes, one finagling method is to try and convince Nick and Joe that we should do an a, a episode called Big City Books or something like that. <laughs> it does really. Um, the other option is to surreptitiously and illicitly ask your family members to request it so that then it can be a little recommendation. I am related by marriage to James, who requested this book. I saw this book at his house. He said, it's amazing. I said, could you request it to the podcast? Otherwise, I'll never have a shot at reading it. He did. Uh, I read yeah. it. The rest is history. I've had that same conversation with many, many people where they're like, you'd like this book. I'm like, well, you should have it over to you don't know lit podcast.com. There's a button there that says suggest a book, suggest a theme, request a sticky. Uh, but this is, yes, this is a lit head recommendation. And Lovely. Um, I'm super glad I had the chance to read it. Well, welcome, Litheads, to You Don't Know Lit, a weekly, or as we call it, strongly podcast for every week. Uh, we typically pick a theme, and Joe and Ian bring two books. 
And just to upset one of them, we pick a winner. But we're not doing that because uh, Ian had a second kid. And so for these, uh, maybe a nice six week run. I think we're just going to do one book at a time. Mm, uh, and, nice. Uh, but uh, sprinkle a little joy on that because I feel like I sounded negative there. And it's not. Mm. It's very exciting. Ian. It's have very you slept? exciting. Have you slept um, at all? I think there was there was a point where I closed my eyes. Can't be sure if I was sleeping or if I was just wishing. Uh, Excellent. Wishing for sleep right. so we'll get there someone one of these days we'll actually uh, have the real sleep thing and it'll be great one day it's over for another it'll be yeah so or, nice. or maybe not maybe this is this is life now just tears and diapers i have heard that with the second kid wishing for sleep it, it actually counts like like oh, they count that. Okay. Yeah. okay so congratulations it's, it's restorative <laughs> very good very good <laughs> great <laughs> we have some show rules of course to keep us on track rule number one only unavoidable spoilers today ian rule number two okay. omit needless words joe and rule number three mm-hmm. really doesn't matter um <laughs> ian good. do you want to give me the back cover of your book yeah, um, I just want to comment quickly that uh, there there is a huge spoiler in this book right at the beginning, and that is that everybody dies. So if oh, it's really good in the if, book or on the planet, mm-hmm. uh, both both on well, our, our our author doesn't die; she hasn't died yet. Yet mm-hmm. she will though. Um, she will. Let me talk to you. We talked about this book. Here it is. Here's thirty seconds. What happens to us when we die? Mary Roach's book, Stiff, published in two thousand three leaves aside the immortal soul, for the most part, and focuses instead on the afterlives of our decaying bodies. Corpses have been used to teach medicine, develop car safety laws, test weapons, and so much, much more. My book this week has all of these gory details in a blend of gross, hilarious, and... Wait, what? Um, remember that thing where I used to bring one star reviews and then, uh, yes! I did it like three times and then that was pretty much it. I would love to hear this is, I have, but it was whole, always so I good. have a whole section on how you can recommend this book to everybody. Mm-hmm. Nick, what are some one star reviews? I'm going to start kicking off each one of your books with a one star review, uh, that I've never read before. So here's a one star review that I've never read from Michael. Absolutely horrible. This pathetic excuse for a book can be better described as a mere collection of anecdotes while the author's quote unquote humor Mm -hmm. is horrifically Mm -hmm. dark. She has a strange obsession with male genitalia. (laughs) So it does sound fun and is remorse uh, and is remorseless when it comes to death in these cadavers. It is a slow sluggish read. Indeed, the author could based on the contents of this book alone be admitted into a psychiatric ward. If I could give it zero stars, I would bottom line, all caps do not read. So Ian, uh, tell us about this fun book. <laughs> I do. I definitely think let's just let's Sounds just like a skip. romp. Let's just skip to that section. So this book has a lot going on. OK, it's got sort of a, a, a historical element, um, the history of the way cadavers have been used. Um, there's certainly some gross stuff. I would say gotta be the mm. amount of the amount of Todgers in this book is lower than in um, Prince Harry's spare oh. book. For um, our not English listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's also like some really interesting, some kind of poignant philosophy. It is legitimately funny. It's laugh out loud funny for me. It kind of hit my my funny bone. And it's really, really informative. There's not one dominant tone to this book, which I think is cool because if it were all one thing, then that would become yeah. boring. And and I like mm-hmm. anecdotes. Yeah, so, anecdotes are great. And like I, don't know I what prefer Michael's problem is. I prefer anecdotes where the the humor is mixed in with a little bit of gross and not mixed in with a little bit of makes you think. 
Um, I really have to be careful who I recommend this book to because there are some people in my life who would just like despise it. Right. Who would just like, like Michael, it sounds like other folks would be offended by it because bodies are kind of sacred. And some of the stuff she says about bodies, um, like culturally, like culturally we, we think about bodies in a very sort of like, um, when we here, here, here's what I'm trying to say. When you have a movie, when you have a movie where they're carting around a dead body and trying to pretend that it's alive. Right. Right. The word used is Funny. Ir- irreverent. Oh. Like this is right. irreverent because it's like, how dare you death bodies are something that are sort of, sort of not quite sacred, but sort of sacred. Um, so there's some people who'll be offended by this. I think a lot of folks that I know that I would recommend this to would love it, but it's not for everybody. Do you think the closer you are to death, the more offended you would be by this book? <laughs> <laughs> I could be. It could it be. Though, I, I, I will say. I will say that um, it's this a spectrum. Book was recommended. This book was recommended to me by someone who's older than I am. So, so there you possible. go. So, I guess that's not yeah. an option. E, uh, yeah. Joseph, what are you most yeah. interested about in this book? What do you? What, what would you I, like to I hear about you, the most? Can I give you? Well, can I give you a rundown? Okay, give us a list and we'll let you Body snatching, human decay, human crash test dummies, testing. Uh, bullets and bombs on bodies. A guy who is crucifying people to see Ugh. how that worked. Crucifying mm-hmm. cadavers. Crucifying um, cadavers. I feel like crucifying, crucifying cadavers isn't like that's not the point of crucifixion. Right. You know, like what does that really tell you? Right. You're not. not you're, not much, you're not being. I would imagine. Getting. It's well, not very yeah. efficient. You might say. No, well, Joe, this is not. for the curious of mind. Okay, this mm-hmm. is not. You know what I mean? Like this is not a. You know, we're not necessarily putting this information to use you know some science is so like boring like some science is like i'm gonna put things in a petri dish or in a test tube and i'm gonna watch it for six weeks i'm gonna like methodically chart everything Mm -hmm. and other science is like i'm gonna put together six thousand dollars i'm gonna get myself a cadaver and build (laughs) it a couple of four by fours and i'm gonna crucify that six thousand dollars is that how much they cost joe yeah how much do cadavers cost that's a that is a question do you have uh, Um, what are uh, what are there any chapters covering budgeting <laughs> um, I think not as that would excite as, the lidheads the most. Not all. I can't recall the cost of a cadaver off the top of my head. But yep, I've got a couple real time follow ups for you. Um, a quick Great. Google search shows that an average cadaver costs between three and five thousand dollars. Can't be true. Can big, you just buy them on, on Amazon? Yeah. Okay. So I, my immediate thought is, do you think there's a big resale market for cadavers? Like, Oof. like say I went around and just bought dead bodies for two thousand dollars. Could I be a sort of like cadaver middleman? Like, there's got to be all take sorts it to of a like dead shop. bodies that. Yeah. Well, but you, so that's my first thought. You would also need I'm, to find. You'd also need to find a supplier. Oh man, well, we gotta right. talk about this book, Joe. Just pick a theme. Well, you could onesie twosie the suppliers. <laughs> and then I guess the thing I'm most interested in, Ian, is. You know, I guess the thing I'm most interested in is it has recently dawned on me that <laughs> cadavers are used for things like military testing or crash yeah. test dummies. That's what I want to hear about. I want to hear about when like people out there, when you donate your body to science, you think you are going to like advance humanity. You think you are going to go into like some white gloved laboratory and be treated right. with reverence. Right. You might be strapped to a rocket ship yeah. and just blown up. Like yeah. that's what I want to hear about. She has a whole section about this where like people mad scientists, think, like exactly what you're saying. People <laughs> think that like my brain will help them solve brain cancer. But in fact, I'm going to have to smash it with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Maybe.
basically everything that you can imagine, any elements like Joe, this, this, this issue that you're kind of bringing up, um, uh, about, you know, what do you, what will your body be used for? Or the question of like, how do we know when we're dead? There were people, the, 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 the scientific search for the soul, people were trying to weigh bodies just before death and then just after death. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, and, uh, um, trying to see if the soul weighed anything because when you die, right? Your soul, <laughs> you laugh, sure. but no, like, this is, this like, is an era when people check. like, dude, we, we can measure check. everything. Let's, let's just weigh these bodies. Right. Um, right. so because you wouldn't be laughing if it turned out that after you died, your body got eight pounds lighter. Yeah, exactly. Like, eight pounds. That would not be funny anymore. I certainly hope soul. my soul doesn't weigh eight pounds. That's a lot. You've right. like mine weighs. That's like well, all the size. camera puts on five. <laughs> Mine weighs more and more uh, as I grow more oh, empathetic. Oh. Ian, I think we have a, a decent sense of what, what's going on here. So I guess, um, is this, is this, does this book help you understand the world of cadavers? Like what really happens after you donate? Like what, what do we get out of this? She has some practical, this is practical. If you're, if you're the kind of person who's like, Hey, I would like to see how, um, I'd like to see, you know, what I can do with my body or, okay. um, what really happens. How, how do they make me look so good in the uh, funeral home? Um, what barbed things do they put under my eyelids to keep them forced open or sorry, forced closed because human eyes open. pop open <laughs> if they're left. No, I'm serious. The human eye pops open if it's left to its own devices. So they have to put yeah. barbs that secure the eyelids oh. shut. Right. They yeah. staple your eyes. This shut. is the gross this part, is the, Nick. Yeah. This is the thing. Like I listened to this book on audiobook and I was like, wow, I cannot share this with my wife. Like these are things which would absolutely be too far for her. There are practical pieces like, yes, okay, now I know um, that I could be rendered into a slurry that is spread at the roots of a tree that will grow and crush my enemies when it falls. But I think that the better no, part, a couple of feet to the left, enemies. A couple, no, another step over, enemy. <laughs> you got to really time it right. The better part of this, or the, the, the cooler part of this is the satisfaction of curiosity. So as I was doing like research on Mary Roach, a lot of her books I've noticed, maybe all of her books have the word curious in the title. Um, and she talks about her cur- curiosity in the, the intro. Oh boy. Nick just sent us a <laughs> image, which always bodes ill and he's cackling. <laughs> heads, can you hear him cackling? Can you hear his No, cackles? I found another book called stiff and I'm just wondering if this is. Oh, great. Are you, Am I looking I mean, at the there right is a body cover. on the front of this? There, book, is, a, but it's there not is a body. A I he is. He is shirtless. He's flexing, which seems living. I don't think dead bodies. I don't think flex. he's a cadaver, but he is looking down. And we all know dead people are always under. looking down. <laughs> well, unless you bury them right side up. Right. And then upside down, yeah, true. inside out. Right. Or by hanging them by their feet. So she 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 kind of focuses on this idea of curiosity. And I like this this word because Curious has a couple of different meanings. Curious can mean odd. Like, oh, that's a really curious. That's a, or that's a curious. like the British way. Yeah, a little British, a little high class. This is less common. Curious. Um, and that's mm-hmm. like clearly one meaning when she's talking about like the curious case of this. The mm-hmm. curious, Benjamin the curious Button. lives of uh, human cadavers. That's the title of the subtitle of this book. Yeah. And right. that means like odd or strange. But mm-hmm. there's a more common meaning, which is I want to find stuff out. I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious, George. I, I want to like burrow into this and this is cool because it describes both our response. Once we get into this, like once we start hearing about this guy who is trying to see like what happens to the human body 
after it's crucified. And he, mm-hmm. so he's using cadavers to figure this out. Like, we want to know more. Did the soul actually end up weighing anything? Mm-hmm. But this also describes her method as a journalist, as a researcher. She's like a bloodhound. She finds a track yeah. and she follows it up. One of my favorite chapters in this book is the cannibalism chapter. In this chapter, among tell us everything about it, bunch of other stuff, which I don't have time to get into. In this chapter, she reads a news story about a restaurant in China that is using human flesh in their steamed buns. Uh, that's um, not what you want in your steamed buns. <laughs> no, it's very low on the list. Um, and this is like this is not this is not a, a like a fake news situation. This is reported by a wire server. This is reported by Reuters, which is one of the big three. So she's like, well, okay, that. Like I, I, I am, I am conditioned to believe that there is some, some truth to this. So she flies to China to track down this restaurant or to possibly track down the crematorium where supposedly the restaurateur was getting his human flesh. Yeah. Um, I have she a feeling, goes, is she approaching this with like, just not judgmental at all? Oh, zero judgment. No, right. she is. I mean, like the, the, the trope, the, 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 the kind of caricature of the journalist is I'm, I'm just asking questions, but yeah. she's legitimately just asking questions. There's a she part brought her special bib. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she tries it, but oh, she's okay. very like, she's up for anything and she has like a, a super strong stomach. So she sees some gross stuff. Another time um, in the chapter about testing bullets and bombs and, and mm-hmm. weapons of warfare, she goes to the part the, the the part of the um there's a oh what's it called there's a a national laboratory in tennessee where mm-hmm. they're tracking decomposition and oh, they this. have bodies yeah. out in the like in a field or something yeah, isn't it like field. outside in the oh, sun the in the smell. tennessee sun right and they track yeah, it heard this. and they're like yeah. okay so this one this one is bloated to this degree or this one has broken down to this degree this one's been out there 18 years and you can't really see much of it anymore and she goes there and she's like yeah it smelled terrible we leaned down close to one of them and my 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 guide was like it sounds like rice krispies when the maggots are feeding Oh my God. Okay. Can I pause you right there? Oh, the snap crackle and pop. Exactly. And oh then she kind of throws in a little joke. Uh, right. she, she throws oh, in a little joke. Let me get my milk. My guide has since stopped eating rice krispies. It's like, she, yeah. she just comes to, she's like, yeah, all right. This is, this is a little bit gross. I'm going to see a head, um, in a roaster pan and, Unreal. um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to a freak. Tell us all about her. Yeah, she sounds great. Um, I one <laughs> quick thing. When you read the uh, Wikipedia page for cadavers, we which is a pretty the show here. a pretty big one. Um, I was surprised that out of the three stages of being a cadaver, like the three stages of decomposition, right? Other animals are a large part of two of those stages, and and st- stage one is like oh, let's guess. Yep, go ahead. Start start guessing. Wait, what, what are we guessing? The kinds of animals? Yeah, the two yeah, like, animals. Like, so what is part of the human decomposition prog- uh, process that has nothing to do with human beings? Maggots. Maggots is one of them, right? And moose. that happens pretty uh, quickly. Uh, it turns out that, let me no. just read to you here very no, quickly. After self-digestion begins, that's when your cells yep. begin to oh, that's a nasty um, part eat, of the book. eat themselves. Um, during this stage, flies, when present, begin to lay eggs in the openings of the body. Eyes, nostrils, mouth, ears, open wounds, and other orifices. Shoulders, knees, Hatched and larvae. toes, knees, and toes. <laughs> Hatched larvae then get under the you can skin learn that and one, begin Ian, for to your consume the body. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the third stage, I'm sorry, is when your body becomes um, carrion, right? And you begin to be carried away by like presumably 
crows and coyotes beasts, and other scavengers. Beasts of the field, birds mm. of the air. Yeah, C- carrion. Yeah, never like heard kill. that that uh, grouping before. Yeah, carrion. It's like, it's like what you call. I, I first came across Spell in the Far Side comic. C a r r i o n. And it's because uh, they're carrying they're carrying pieces of you away. Yeah, mm, yeah. You no, back sell to I it. I got it. Yeah, mm. it's great. Mm. I really love it. Carrion. <laughs> 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 Ian, anything else? I mean, it sounds like you could discuss this uh, for presumably the length of the book. What else is there to talk about that is not just uh, a just more, gross, more facts, gross facts, yeah, more gross facts? Yeah. You asked, who is she? And I think that the answer to this question is she is curious and she has an idea that if we kind of shine a light into the parts of our world, if we shine enough light into the parts of our world that we don't look at, uh, we'll find something interesting or worth knowing. And so her curiosity leads her to all kinds of different places, uh, all kinds of different situations. It's super weird. She wrote this in 2003. Dr. Oz, before Dr. Oz was Dr. Oz, uh-huh. was just a heart transplant surgeon. And so she quotes him not as reality oh. TV guy or yeah. failed Senate candidate for Pennsylvania, <laughs> but as a pretty well-respected heart transplant surgeon. It's super, super weird. That's weird. Um, I had to like Google to make sure this is the same guy. Um, she just like, she just kind of rolls with it. And the effect of this, that the product of this is that we, our curiosity is peaked and we say, this is curious. And this gets to like kind of the logic of, we, we need a, a name for these books. Okay. Where are they? Well, I, I want to crowd crowdsource it because we've sure. talked about this kind of book before where the, the author says, hey, here's this little, uh, little known thing. Secretly, it's the biggest deal in the world. Yeah. In, in, in my head, I just think of them as John McPhee books. That, that, that's all I think of them as. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 how we were. We were introduced to them. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. it's bigger than him. Like Bryson does this yeah. and, and others yep. do as well. A lot mm-hmm. of people. A lot of people say, hey, this little big stories. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the kind of thing. Where little biggies. The, Biggie the little. Farther, oh, um, uh, my son, my son, my son calls his turds uh, big tinies. Oh, okay. so we call these, call these stories. big. T- <laughs> I don't know how to top that, but it doesn't seem like we should pick it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> fame for frederick at last so anyway oh whatever we're calling these stories God. what was it one more time for us big tinies <laughs> i think we should end there what else do you want to talk about there's nothing else that you need it's to just say a, it's just that the, the question with these books and it's kind of a, a, a base a base level question the question is i think always, you were leading us to big tinies <laughs> <laughs> he came in with that that's the only that's thing the it says in his that's notes it. Uh, the question with these books episode. is always does the laser focus pay off? Is yeah. it worth like, is, is there argument that we should right. pay attention? Is it worth it? But this is a weird, a weird book because the knowledge that you gain is kind of awkward knowledge. This is not like cocktail party. Yeah, style party knowledge. It is cocktail party. Yeah. It's a certain kind of a cocktail party. Right. It's, it's a really weird book. The tone is, the tone is, the tone is unlike any I've ever read. And now I know a bunch of facts about bodies, which right. Oof. I really hope I go like I do some trivia, some some cadaver trivia. This will soon, never come some up. very specific. I, I gotta get it out somehow. Trivia.
All right, Lidhead. Well, if you want to recommend war- more weird books for Ian or me, I guess, you can head on over to youdon'tknowlitpodcast.com. You can suggest a book, suggest a theme, request a sticky. You can follow us everywhere on social media that you would expect us. Um, Nick has now started writing erotic novels under the pseudonym um, Stiff Nick. I just, I want to let you know. So you can find him over on. Um, What's my handle? You your, uh, Stiff Nick. Not stiff neck. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read to close. I'm going to read a section of the introduction where she talks about um, her first cadaver. And then she talks about what she's doing here. Let me tell you, she says about my first cadaver. I was 36 and it was 81. It was my mother's. I notice here that I use the possessive my mother's as if to say that the, that the cadaver that belonged to my mother, as if to say the cadaver belonged to my mother, not the cadaver that was my mother. My mom was never a cadaver. No person ever is. You are a person and then you cease to be a person and a cadaver takes your place. My mother was gone. The cadaver was her hull and that was how it seemed to me. It was a warm September morning. The funeral home had told me and my brother Rip to show up there about an hour before the church service. We thought there were papers to fill out. The mortician ushered us into a large, dim, hushed room with heavy drapes and too much air conditioning. There was a coffin at one end, but this seemed normal enough for a mortuary. My brother and I stood there awkwardly. The mortician cleared his throat and looked toward the coffin. I suppose we should have recognized it as we picked it out and paid for it the day before, but we didn't. Finally, the man walked over and gestured at it, bowing slightly in the manner of a maitre d' showing diners to their table. There, just beyond his open palm, was our mother's face. I wasn't expecting it. We hadn't requested a viewing, and the memorial service was closed coffin. We got it anyway. They'd shampooed and waved her hair and made up her face. They'd done a great job, but I felt taken, as if we'd asked for the basic car wash and they'd gone ahead and detailed her. Hey, I wanted to say, we didn't order this, but of course I said nothing. Death makes us helplessly polite. The mortician told us we had an hour with her and quietly retreated. Rip looked at me. An hour? What do you do with a dead person for an hour? Mom, mom had been sick for a long time. We'd done our grieving and crying and saying goodbye. It was like like being sliced, a, served a slice of pie you didn't want to eat. We felt it would be rude to leave after all the trouble they'd gone to. We walked up to the coffin for a closer look. I placed my palm on her forehead, partly as a gesture of tenderness, partly to see what a dead person felt like. Her skin was cold the way metal is cold or glass. A week ago at that time, mom would have been reading the Valley News doing the jumble. As far as I know, she'd done the jumble every morning for the past 45 years. Sometimes in the hospital, hospital, I'd get up on the bed with her and we'd work on it together. She was bedridden and it was one of the last things she could still do and enjoy. I looked at Rip. Should we all do the jumble together one last time? Rip went out out to the car to get the paper. We leaned on the coffin and read the clues loud. That was when I cried. It was the small things that got to me that week, finding her bingo winnings, when we cleaned out her dresser drawers, emptying the 14 individually wrapped pieces of chicken from her freezer, each one labeled chicken in her careful penmanship, and the jumble. Seeing her cadaver was strange, but it wasn't really sad. It wasn't her. What I found hardest to get used to this past year was not the bodies I saw, but the reactions of people who asked me to tell them about my book. People want to be excited for you when they hear you are writing a book. They want to have something nice to say. A book about dead bodies is a conversational curveball. It's all well and good to write an article about corpses, but a full-size book plants a red flag on your character. We knew Mary was quirky, but now we're wondering if she's, you know, okay. 
I experienced a moment last summer at the checkout desk at the medical school library at the University of California, San Francisco, that sums up what it is like to write a book about cadavers. A young man was looking at the computer record of the books under my name. The principles and practice of embalming. The chemistry of death. Gunshot injuries. He looked at the book I now wish to check out. Proceedings of the Ninth Stap Car Crash Conference. He didn't say anything, but he didn't need to. It was all there in his glance. Often when I checked out a book, I expected to be questioned. Why do you want this book? What are you up to? What kind of person are you? They never asked, so I never told them. But I'll tell you now, I'm a curious person. Like all journalists, I'm a voyeur. I write about what I find fascinating. I used to write about travel. I traveled to escape the known and the ordinary. The longer I did this, the farther afield I had to go. By the time I found myself in Antarctica for the third time, I began to search closer at hand. I began to look for the foreign lands between the cracks. Science was one such land. Science involving the dead was particularly foreign and strange and, in its repellent way, enticing. The places I traveled to this past year were not as beautiful as Antarctica, but they were as strange and interesting, and I hope, as worthy of sharing. <laughs>